We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to another episode of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, on the Brooklyn Buzz, my guy, Jack Manuel. What's cooking, Jack? The Nets are winning, Nick, and life is very, very good. Anytime the Nets win, I'm a happy man. Honestly, my irrational love for the Nets continues to grow. I, I just I just love this team. We know that they're not a championship team or you know, maybe not a playoff team. You never know, but it just it's just hard not to root for the squad. Yeah, it, it seems like that this has probably been one of the more lovable NBA squads that we've had in the past years. Now, Nick, you've been a, a huge fan. You know, back in, since you were a kid, I've jumped on the bandwagon a little bit. Not that there's much of a bandwagon to jump on. It's not the Warriors or the Cavs. But in terms of where this team rates across your fandom history, how, where is where is it in terms of the rankings? It's got to be pretty high up there. I mean, when I was a kid, I obviously loved, you know, the finals teams and then the big three with Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson was always cool because they were all-star type players. But in terms of Brooklyn squads, like Brooklyn Nets squads, I probably would have to say this is my favorite one. I mean, I love Joe Johnson, but yep. this whole squad across the board, and I love Brooke Lopez, obviously, but I, I just like so many guys on this roster, and it's nice to see some of our own young players develop and be good. You know, like yep. Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, some of these guys, Karis LeVert, putting in work and getting better. It's it's cool to see, and it's just something we haven't really seen from the Nets, and we kind of talked about it a little bit last episode, but the organization as a whole just seems so much more stable and so much more respectable and you don't have to worry. Like, just thinking back about the old Nets, Brooklyn, New Jersey, like, are they going to trade one of their good players? Do they care about the salary cap? You know, what's going on behind the scenes? Is there drama? Are guys showing up to practice on time? Like, you know everything is legit with this Brooklyn squad. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, Nick. And, and it's almost like the problems these days with the Nets are, can 
is are we? And we, and we chatted about it on the last podcast. Are we going to trade a Joe Harris? Are we going to trade a Trevor, a Trevor Booker? Is Spencer Dinwiddie a trade asset? And now, we, obviously, we love all those three players, but the fact that they're creating value for themselves um, in this Brooklyn Brooklyn squad is saying something. They're good problems to have, as in the past, those problems you know were much more negative, to say the least. I mean, just going back and looking at the past, there's just so many times where a Nets team could have used a Spencer Dinwiddie. They could have used a Joe Harris. They could have used a Trevor Booker. You know, power forward was a huge issue for a long time, and Booker's come in. He's not amazing, but he plays hard every night, and he gives you what you need out of that position. Yeah, let's he's talk won us the game. He won us the game last night. He saved that game. We're going to talk about Nets Mavericks pretty much this whole pod, 109-104. Another win on this road trip. Nets 2-1 and one on the road trip. Honestly, I'm trying to think. I, I can't recall the last time the Nets had a positive road trip. Maybe at the end of last season, they might have had it on a short one. But, you know, the Nets winning on the road is pretty impressive. It's not like Dallas and Memphis are world beaters. But what was your reaction to, you know, the Nets pulling off another one in Dallas last night? Yeah, I was ecstatic, Nick. Um, uh, the composure that we showed just throughout the game, you know, I, I was almost confident but not overly confident just because, like this team, I think as a fan like you, I'm, I'm sort of taking up that optimism, I'm taking on that that steadiness, that confidence, and, and I think it's showing within our team as well. Just a, a lot of really good things to come out of the night. Honestly, it, it's impressive, and like you said, it's almost like you're confident about the Nets going to the fourth quarter. You know, this is a young team, not a lot of all stars, not even a ton of experienced players, and they pull out the W, and they did it again. They did it again. You know, two times on the road in the matter of three day, four days. It's impressive for a young squad. First quarter, it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of the Grizzlies game. The Nets kind of got off to a slow start. They were down a little bit. Second quarter, they started to pick it up. And then the second half, they started to play their game more. But what did your what was your reaction about the first half? First half was very, yeah, very emblematic of what happened in the Grizzlies game. Sort of a bit back and forth. Um, we, we got down at points. We got on mini runs. But... No one was really in a rhythm in the game. Um, there was no one that could really gain an ascendancy. And like in most NBA games these days, it's a game of runs. And whenever you've got that run, it's about maintaining that consistency and maintaining that momentum. And fortunately enough, the Nets were able to get some momentum going to that third and fourth, thanks to some of our bets that we mentioned, Trevor Booker and Damari Cowell. But yeah, that first half was definitely a bit back and forth. And you know, no one could really gain ascendancy. It was certainly anyone's game at that point. Yeah, the Nets did a good job hanging around. I think that first quarter really started sour. You know, I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce this guy's name, but Keebler or Kebler on yeah, Dallas, yep. he he was killing us early on. But I mean, that's yeah. kind of just like an outlier. And the Nets, like you said, they you know they they're going on mini runs, staying in the game. I think the bench did a pretty good job of bringing a little bit more energy. But in that first, Kenny called the timeout. The energy changed a little bit too. So it almost feels like you know this this is weird to say. If the Nets are kind of hanging around the first half, there's confidence that they can get within striking distance in the second half. Yeah, and I remember, I think it was Rondo or Spencer, one of our key players mentioning that, you know, the key quarters that we've been focusing on early in the season were the first and the third. Um, and that, that it was our Achilles heel early on, you know, sort of coming out of the coming out of the half flat or starting off flat. Now, you know, we were within six points that in that first quarter. Uh, got the ascendancy a little bit in the in that second, and then just took the game from there. And it wasn't that it was a a really a dominant performance by any stretch. It's really going to be when you got four of your best five players out. Um, but it was just one of those wins that 
we sort of grit and grinded out just like we did in Memphis. Yeah, it's another gritty wind, and they just held on, got the buckets when they needed to, and they it's almost like they've been playing some better second halves, you know, on this road trip. You know, the Houston game, we don't really talk about that because the Rockets are just dominant. But in the yeah. Grizzly game and in this game, it felt like the second half was better. They were composed, like you said, in that fourth quarter, and guys stepped up. I mean, let's start – we'll start with Damari Carroll. Carroll had a huge game, 22 points, seven rebounds, one assist, four, uh, four three-pointers, and he, I think he had 15 in the third quarter alone. So, you know, Damari Carroll was huge, especially, like you said, with four of our guys four, four of our guys out being D'Lo, Jeremy Lane, Alan Crabb, and Rondé. Yeah, and I think the key, the key with Damari Carroll was that he's become sort of the – not really the face of the franchise, but it's almost the, the spiritual leader. Yeah, he, I think he's the leader out there. He's he goes up to guys and lets them know what's up and kind of. I think last night he was talking to Dinwiddie when he missed some free throws and he was able to kind of calm him down and then he hit the next two. Yeah, and that just comes with with experience. As we mentioned in the last pod, that guys like Demario Carroll, Trevor Booker, they've just they've had the they've had the reps before. Demario Carroll's been part of plenty of successful franchises, and he brings that that vet that vet leadership that we you know we don't really have outside of him, Booker. Um, and, and those sort of guys, and to a lesser extent, I guess, Joe Harris. But Damari Carroll is probably, for me, uh, I was saying to you before the pod, Nick, probably the best salary dump player in NBA history. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head in the past few years, I'm sure, you know, back in the 90s or even the early 2000s when I wasn't as big a fan. I'm sure you probably, you know, we were kids, but there were probably some. But, you know, we got assets on top of the fact that Damari Carroll himself has been absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I mean, the trade is looking amazing. Like you said, I mean, in recent memory, I know you mentioned me the Dwight Howard, which was somewhat of a salary dump as well. You know, Damari came with a first and second round pick. So hypothetically, if Damari Carroll was trashed this year or, you know, for the rest of his contract, we wouldn't even be that upset because we got the first round pick that we needed for this year's draft because we didn't have one. But instead, Carroll's playing great. He's really bought into Brooklyn. Him and Atkinson have a great relationship, and the leadership is apparent. Like I said, in the fourth quarter, you saw him talking to Dinwiddie. You mentioned in your article before, and you mentioned on the pod, how Damari Carroll has had an impact on D'Angelo Russell when he was out there too. So I think having Carroll not only on the court producing the way he is, and I got a stat for you that we looked up before the show, Damari Carroll's one of 10 players that is averaging over 14 points, six rebounds, and is shooting over 38% from three. So one of 10 guys in the league doing that, and the Nets got him with a first and second round pick. And that's just the, the exact guy that Coach Kenny wants. A guy that can put up the three that is sold from there, that can chip in buckets, uh, doesn't have to be outstanding because we've got young guys that we want to develop. And he's almost the perfect complement, a la how Trevor Booker is, for all these young pieces around him. You know, the leadership he's providing to, to D'Lo as as Ned Staley, and as I mentioned in my article. The leadership last night, as you mentioned, that he provided to Spencer Dinwiddie. You can see on the bench when he makes those buckets, um, D'Lo, who's been a part of this road trip, he's loving it. He's loving seeing his boy. It's almost like a, a big brother thing happening. It's like Kanye and Jay-Z somewhat. Um, yeah. But it, yeah it's, I, it's, I mean, it's like a big family out there for the Nets, really. They get along so well. And it's awesome to see because it's just like, you know, it, it, it makes you feel a part of it, Nick. It makes you feel a part of that Brooklyn family. Like, I'm all the way over here in London, and I can all I can feel the love thousands of miles away. But there's just this really great atmosphere that's been created, and I know a lot of guys might jump on Coach Kenny's rotations and stuff. 
But you can't knock the output of what's happening right now because no one, I think it was December 26th last year that we had our, our eighth or ninth win. And at this stage of the season, you know, we're a month ahead of that. So it's just saying something that, you know, bringing in these guys like a, like a Booker last year, like Damari Carroll now, um, Mozgov has, you know, been serviceable in the last couple of games. But Damari Carroll, I oh, can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, and the nice thing about Carroll too is that he plays defense. Yes. And, the, and he kind of just sets the example out there. And if he does make a mistake, he's not one of those guys that acts like he didn't do anything wrong. He'll be like, my bad, which is something I always appreciate. And another guy that does that is Trevor Booker. You know, we mentioned him already a few times. He saved us that game last night. He was – I don't even know. He grabbed like three or four rebounds in the last two minutes on missed free throws, which is just ridiculous to think about. And it pretty much saved the Nets game because they were not hitting anything from the line last night. No, and that was one thing that was incredibly frustrating. Um, but thank God for Trevor Booker. 16 points, including eight in the last quarter. Um, he had three offensive rebounds of his 10 in total. So he's just putting up double-doubles. He can put double-double on a will. Give that guy 30 minutes, he's going to give you a double-double. And you know you can't ask for anything more. 10 points, 10 rebounds. He's putting up 15 and 10 on, on a regular basis. And he's not doing it, you know, just by getting cheap buckets and garbage time. He's doing key clutch moments. And without him, I don't think we win the game um, because, as you mentioned, our, our free throw shooting was just horrific. Um, but Damari uh, Carroll and Trevor Booker were able to stand up, were able to provide that leadership. And without those two guys, without those two level heads, um, it's very, very unlikely that we get the W out there in Dallas. Yeah, very true. And it's just like, ask you, like, what is up with the free throw percentage? We have a team that is stacked with good shooters, you know, Three-point shooting percentage is pretty good from a lot of guys. They're missing free throws. We're 26th in the league, shooting 72% from the line. When this thing that sucks the most is obviously pay at a high pace, but we're getting to the free throw line the third most in the league, and we're not able yeah. to convert on those, and that's really hurting us. Yeah, last night's scoring breakdown, it was just interesting to look. We scored 109 points, which is very good. 58 of those points came in the paint. The Mavs had 46. Another 33 came from three-pointers. We were 11 of 29 from there, which is about 38%. And then, so that's 91 points in total. And then you add in 18, so 14 points were from the line, 14 of 25. So that means we only took two mid-ranges, two outside the paint, two shots <laughs> outside the paint. And with, so it just shows how highly efficient that basketball is. And I've noticed that it's been somewhat of a trend in some of our wins. When we play in-and-out basketball, Inside the paint, outside, it's all, it's almost like Houston lights. And, and we mentioned a little bit um, on the last pod. When we play sort of that Houston lights sort of offense, it, it leads to good things because, you know, we get transition buckets. Um, we get, get to the free throw line. You know, 56% last line is absolutely atrocious. And I'm, I'm sure Coach Kenny would have been livid um, despite the fact that we got the win. Because, you know, you nail an extra six of those free throws. There's, there's a double-digit win right there. Um, so I think that's one thing that is uh, worrisome. But the, the thing is, we, it doesn't seem like we have any bad free-throw shooters. It's just like whether it's it's just a mental thing or whether it's it's almost like, I know we probably we both play probably a bit of pick-up basketball, but when you see your mates miss it, it's almost like it's contagious in a way. Um, but you just need one of those guys to sort of just step up. You know, Rondo's probably been one of our best free-throw shooters for the year, but um, he's been out lately. You know, we don't have a Steph Curry or a James Harden that's like 90, 95% from the line, but we sort of just need someone to step up from there. And when it comes, you know, hit those two clutch free throws, bang, move on to the next possession. Like you said, Jack, like with free throws, it's just so much mental. I remember one time when I was a kid, I missed like eight free throws in a game. 
like I missed the first two and I just psyched myself out so bad and I just couldn't hit him. And I feel like you said, it's contagious as a team. You see one guy miss, he's struggling. Everybody's pressing a little bit. It's just, it just gets in your head. Cause you know, some of these guys like are light, like Spencer is a last year. I think he was an amazing free throw shooter this year. He's yeah. had his struggles there. Yeah. So something to definitely keep an eye on. Another guy that had a pretty nice night. Tyler Zeller had some good moments. Jared Allen had some nice moments, but Karis LeVert with another nice game. You know, LeVert's really turned it around in the second half of this small portion of the season we played. Yeah, he seems to, as we mentioned in the last pod, continue his form. Um, as that backup point guard, he just looks really comfortable there. He's, he's got great length. He's got great speed. The way he drives, um, when, he's, when he's in rhythm, it's almost like, it's not like he's unstoppable, but he has such a wide array of moves and a, a wide array. His agility... And first step is absolutely awesome. And and even those threes now are starting to drop for him, which is absolutely um, – it, it takes his game to a completely different level. Um, you know, five assists as well. So he's clearly getting other people involved. So I think just all areas of his game, all facets of his game are really coming together in these past 10 games. Yeah, like you said, Jack, in that point backup point guard role, Levert's really stepped up. And the three-point shots are in the fall. The stat line he had last night, 13 points, six rebounds, and five assists and zero turnovers that is not a bad stat line off the bench at all you know i'll take that that every night especially the two threes so and karis puts in some good effort defensively he was on jj berea last night and jj is a quick little guard and karis did a great job staying with him which is not easy when you're six six and lanky as he is yeah i think karis has a lot of tools to be a really really great defender and on both ends of the floor a really great two-way player and you know, checking out Nets Daily, as we always do. Shout out to those guys. Give us absolutely awesome information, awesome content via their comment section, Ironman4579. I don't know who the other 4,578 Ironman users are on Nets but uh, I digress. Harris Levert's first 10 games of the season were 34% from the field, 21% from three, 3.7 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and only 9.9 points per game. His last 11 games, it's been a dramatic shift. 49% from the field, 38% from three, four rebounds a game, three and a half assists a game, and over 11 points a game. It's just, it's night and day. And he, he, I remember him saying when we were chatting about it in the early pods, I remember in our grading pod as well, how you know, we knew it was going to come. It just had to sort of all come together. And it seems to be coming together for him now. And it's all just confidence, like those free throws thing. I like the free throw thing we've been talking about. It's all confidence basketball sport in general it's a game of runs it's it's all mental like as they say the game is one in your head and then it's just out there it's about 10 percent of the actual game so Karis is doing good things and hopefully continue this stretch for us yeah and it's a big he's a big part of the Nets future moving forward I know there was talk in the summertime of Karis and D'Angelo being the only two untouchables on the roster so I think the Nets really have high hopes for him and I think in the future, like we mentioned on the last pod and other pods, the NBA outlet, all type of OGG pods, is the NBA is going to kind of get more into a playmaking type of league where you're going to have ball handlers and players that can make plays at every position. So having somebody like Karras who you can put in the starting lineup in the future and having it with a guy like D'Angelo, it's just going to make life easier for so many different players. And getting all these reps of being a playmaker is just making him so much better. Yeah, and I, I remember reading an article on The Ringer the other day, just how Brad Stevens' philosophy and a lot of other coaches' philosophy, for that matter, the NBA is no longer positional. It's very much sort of, you know, you're a guard, you're a wing, you're a big man. And then if you can play interchangeable through those positions, 
like a Jalen Brown, Karis Levert type who can go from, you know, probably guard one to four and then, you know, even play offense on, on either of those positions. It's just how today's modern NBA is going. And we've got those guys. Spencer Dinwiddie can play probably one to three uh, on, a, on a good night if you want to put, chuck him in a lineup with Karis and D'Lo, um, which I think would be you know, really fun to watch because all three of those guys can handle the rack really well. Um, it, it just gives us really nice interchangeability. And it's, you know, you can never have too many ball handles on the floor. Exactly. I mean, I love versatile, uh, versatility and skill set wise and player wise. You know, the Nets have a lot of that on their roster with players like Harris and Spencer, like you mentioned. So it's nice to see the young guys play well. Jared Allen had some nice minutes last night. We've been mentioning him here and there. But I think Allen, one thing I've noticed, he's done a, a little bit better job of being a help defender, realizing to have his teammates back and how quick he really can be in his impact as a roller soon as this kid gets stronger where he can just go up strong and finish the oop or grab the rebound and just throw it back down, he'll be really good. Yeah, I saw one or two of those last night, Nick, and we haven't seen a lot from him this season, obviously, because he's still finding his way of how he can use his physical tools to the best of his ability. But there was this one really emphatic dunk that was just like, whoa, okay, that's nice to see. It's good to see the boy showing a man move. Um, and this kid, he's basically a boy. Um, he's, he's barely in his twenties. Um, I don't know if he's know if he's probably got it. He, is he allowed to drink liquor yet, Nick? I don't think he no, is. No, I think he's nineteen, I believe, and he's not. Um, he's not of age. You have to be twenty-one in the U.S. Well, he would be if he was drinking over here in London with me. I'd love to go have a pint with him, but unfortunately, uh, he can't. He's he's busy doing what I'd love to be doing. But yeah, just he's showing some signs, Nick, and I think the way that Coach Kenny is managing him is quite good. Knowing the the key. And I think I mentioned in the last pod as well, knowing when to give him those extra minutes, knowing when to, to rein him in a little bit. Because, you know, Tyler Zeller, as you mentioned, he's been okay. He's been one of our better senses. Him and Jared Allen both have different skill sets and they both offer different things. Zeller has obviously, you know, a, a few more reps in the NBA. He's got a bit more of a, a varied offensive skill set. But Jared Allen has a bit more versatility in terms of his defensive schemes and in terms of just his overall body. Um, he's that crazy wingspan, that crazy throw and his ability to get on the offensive rebounds as well. So, you know, things are looking okay. And even Mozgov is chipping in some nice garbage minutes for 10, 15 or so. Our center position, as we mentioned earlier in the season, was one that we were worried about. But the way we've been rebounding lately, albeit against teams that aren't amazing at it, it's boating nicely. Yeah, I mean, it is, especially, I mean, I thought we'd get out-rebounded every night. But Jared Allen, I think, is the only true shot blocker on the roster. So yeah. as soon as he starts to develop, Zeller does a pretty good job protecting the rim with verticality sometimes. Another thing you like from Zeller, four assists last night. So that is not yeah. bad. He seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable with his teammates and with the squad and when playing minutes. And right now, I'd definitely rather see Zeller out there than Mozgov. I like how Zeller's relationship is sort of been um, forming a little bit with Spencer Dinwiddie. Their sort of yeah. pick and roll tandem has been pretty nice. And both of them are very smart players. And that intelligence, that IQ is certainly translating on the floor. Yeah, not a bad pickup at all, especially for that guy at the end of the bench. But another guy, I guess it's kind of we got to talk a little bit negative once in a while. Sean Kilpatrick has really been struggling. He has. He has. One of six last night. He just – and some of it is, you know, his jump jumper's not falling, but sometimes he's just taking a ton of out-of-rhythm shots. You know, he'll just randomly be sitting there, not dribble or anything, just kind of like eyeing his defender and pull up and shoot a three. Like, man, you're already struggling. Taking bad shots is not going to make your percentages any better. Last night, he shot 16%, one of six from the field. Yeah, it's just one of those nights for Sean, um, for, for SK. He's going to have those nights. And, and, and unfortunately, with how things are with 
um, with, with our, our team right now. And, and in terms of the fact that we'll be getting guys back soon, um, I can't, uh, all of our injuries apart from D-Lo and, and Jeremy Lin are, aren't long-term. So there's going to be guys that are coming back and, you know, Sean Kilpatrick's unlikely to see minutes if he keeps on putting up performances like that. He, he's definitely out of rhythm, Nick. It's just, he seems to force a lot of shots, which is not what Coach Kenny wants out of anyone out there. Um, we spoke of Isaiah Whitehead the other night. He had a nice game. Um, he certainly put his name up there because there are going to be niggling injuries because the way that the, the Nets seem to be managing their players right now is very ultra-conservative. So, you know, guys are going to miss games and guys are going to have to step up. But if Sean Kilpatrick still wants to see his way on this team, especially with guys like Milton Doyle and James Young playing some good basketball in the G, we got... Kilpatrick's just going to have to step up if he wants minutes. Right now, I'd give his minutes to Whitehead. I think Whitehead's yep. done enough in the small time he's played that in the future when those minutes do open up, I would give him the Whitehead first. I mean, Whitehead obviously has a lot of improvements to make in his game as well, but he's actually shown some positive results, and I like his defense a lot better than I like Kilpatrick's most of the time. So Yeah, he seemed more active and energized on that end, and I think because Isaiah Whitehead is still so young and in his infancy, his NBA career, Sean Kilpatrick's is somewhat as well. He obviously hasn't had a lot of NBA time, but age is not on his side and in terms of he seems a little more stubborn in his ways if anything um he has his moments but he just can't show enough for for long enough periods of time yeah it's it's disappointing because he did have you know some nice moments last season but it seems like things might not work out like you said Milton Doyle guy we mentioned he might be somebody the Nets are calling up sooner than later if things with Kilpatrick don't work out yep but uh, you mentioned it you know we talked a little bit coach Kenny last last show but Atkinson has done a great job. You know, the Nets, like we said, are so injured and they're able to grab another win on this road trip. It's just so great to see the guy and the players, you know, respect him and willing to go out there and play for him every night and kind of get these W's for the team because they're not easy wins, especially with the talent the Nets have. They're going out and earning these wins playing hard. Yeah, the Nets use their 12th different starting lineup next. <laughs> it's ridiculous how Coach Kenny is able to change on the fly in such a short amount of time i can't imagine like uh it, it he's just on a whim he's just able to go okay well look i've got this now this is how i'm going to set it up this is what i'm going to do um and, and he's very a uh, strong will in his convictions when he does something he's going to do it um and i like the fact that he's taking risks we mentioned on the last pod that zone defense um you know leaving out guys there for, for longer periods of time i think is going to be his next step. So when we get a, a guy like a D'Lo back, I'd like to see some of our better players play, playing bigger minutes. Now, not Tom Thibodeau style where you're out there just playing your starters and then dropping in, dropping them out and putting in your, your reserves. But I think that could be one step for him in terms of his NBA development. Right now, we, we're definitely a team that needs, we're a sum of parts. We're not, you know, we don't have any individual stars yet. So it's, it's about, you know, giving everyone those 20, 28 minutes, seeing what they can produce and then go, okay, well, Maybe in this circumstance, you know, Dinwiddie gets 35. Uh, Rondé had a, a really large minutes load against the Portland Trailblazers because he's he was just amazing defensively. I'd like to see, um, uh, obviously, when it comes, we were mentioning Spencer Dinwiddie in the last pod, there's times where that needs to be re- reeled in, especially when we've got some great guards on our roster, albeit when they're healthy. So I think it's it's a balancing out with, with Coach Kenny, knowing when to, to push these guys a little bit because... We do have a lot of young guys, and these guys want to be out there. Um, so it'd be nice to see you know, some 35 minutes from guys that are hot. Um, if you know, Spencer Dimwitty's having one of those nights, leave him out there, especially if he's not in foul trouble. Yeah, it definitely, it's a tough, 
it's a tough thing for Coach Kenny and the Nets because they, I think they have numbers in their head and mind, but when guys play so well, it's hard not to take them out. I think you mentioned this to me in the past, and I've kind of grown to the idea. I think at the, the pace the Nets play, I think that just kind of takes a toll sometimes because yep. if you have to think about it. You know, if a Nets player is playing 30 minutes and a Grizzlies player is playing 36 minutes, who's going to be more tired at the end of the night? Probably yeah. the Nets player who's, you know, top three in the league in pace instead of the team that's bottom three in the league in pace. So some of it's kind of give and take, but you're right. Some of the young guys, I think can you can get away playing them, especially, for example, like last night in Dallas, when we have the next three days off, we don't play again until Saturday. I think, you know, you could get away with a little bit more there, especially when you're injury full of injuries. But I got I one think- hot question for you, Jack, before we get yeah, out of all right, Jack, we talked about this. We've mentioned it. You know, it's been hot, cold. Everybody's had their opinion on it, calling people stupid, smart, whatever. Could the Nets still make the playoffs this year? Ooh, Nick. I, They're only I, three games get, out of the Eastern Conference right now. Looking, we're, looking at teams, we're looking at teams around us, and you look at the fall of a guy like the fall of a team like the Orlando Magic, and they've gone out of nowhere. And we've sort of superseded them. We've, we've beaten them this season. They've had some moments, but... I think we've been a more consistent team. Um, we've there's been wins that we should have had, you know, against the Suns that would probably are going to haunt us come the end of the season if we want to push for that eight seed. Um, but you look at the bottom of the the bottom eight. Unless we can get, you know, we've got a nice home stretch, but unfortunately, two of those are also in Mexico, which yeah, has, which kind of sucks. Uh, which no kind offense. of sucks. Yeah, no offense yeah, to I mean, Mexico or anything. It's cool, but it just sucks. They're both our home games, not just one. If it was one, I wouldn't care. But two? Come on, Nets. Yeah. It, it takes away from it a little bit and, and robs us of a little bit of momentum. But um, it, it'll be great to expand the fan base out there, that's for sure. And hopefully, um, you know, we can get some new fans. But I, I can't – I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, unfortunately because the East has just become so much better this year out of nowhere um, – you know, with the with the rise of the guys like the Sixers, Corey's Corey Waldron's team, um, the the Pacers have been playing well. Even our crosstown rivals, the Knicks have been going okay, and you know, Kristaps Porzingis is at least somewhat healthy. I think it, we're going to miss out just, but I think we're going to be making that Cavs pick not too desirable, and that's a good thing. And I, and I think you know, I'd rather get a decent enough pick, uh, not really a decent enough. Pick. I'd rather you know play some decent basketball. And just miss out, and you know, wins aren't part of the the process for us. You know, it's all about how we play the basketball, and hopefully, you know, we can see some good time from D'Angelo, some good time from Alan Crabb, and you know, going into next season, maybe we're a chance. Who knows? But probably next year is the time where we'd want to be, you know, having one of the years that we had last year. But you know, it's a balancing act, Nick. It's, it's hard to 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 it, it's it's hard to dream when the the dreams are a bit far fetched, but. It is what it is. I'm hoping we can do it. Yeah. I mean, I think it – I don't even know what to think about the Nets, to be honest. I mean, going to the season, I thought it was possible Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, healthy. And then, you know, then we hear D'Lo's out, and I'm just like, all right, this is going to suck. The Nets are going to have another rough year. Lin and D'Lo are out. We don't even have our damn pick. And then the Nets just start playing like – I mean, we're even going back to the Golden State game. They played well enough in that game, like in their surge in the second half, to probably beat a lot of teams in the league. Same thing against Cleveland. If LeBron James was not in the Cavaliers that night, the Nets would have won that game. The Portland game, even, you know, Dame Lillard's not out there dropping and the Nets don't make a few mistakes late. I think Karis Karis LeVert lost the ball underneath our hoop real quick. Nurkic got the and one. That killed us. 
So a couple of these games are a lot closer, and the Nets have been playing a lot better than I expected, especially considering the injuries. Even this win in Dallas and Memphis. Dallas is probably one of the worst teams in the league. Memphis is struggling. They just fired their coach, obviously. But still, to go on the road missing four of your top five best players is kind of a big deal to still get the win. I think the playoffs, like you said, are most likely not going to happen. Would I be completely shocked if the Nets slipped into the eighth seed? No, I would not be completely shocked. Am I willing to bet money on it? No, I am not. But I think they will. <laughs> I think they're going to f- uh, finish a little bit closer to five hundred than I anticipated with the injuries. So I'll follow, I mean, the, I'll, the hope is the hope is there. Definitely, I'll fire one back in you, Nick. If it's not this year, how many years is it, is it going to take before we see our Nets in the playoffs? See, I think a lot of people are calling for the Nets to tank next year and go for their pick. I really just don't think the Nets are going to do that. They've been talking culture for so long and about getting things right. It would just be kind of ludicrous to the idea to just tank and try to get a high pick. So I think the next seat next year is a real possibility to maybe squeeze in as an eight seed. I don't think they'll be locked in. A lot depends on Jeremy Lin and free agency. Yep. What happens with Trevor Brooker? Do they make trades? Who else gets better? You know, another offseason for Karis LeVert and D'Angelo Russell will be big. Our guards will be looking good. Jared Allen will be nice. Depends, too, on our picks in the draft. Who knows? Do we make a trade? Could we make a trade, you know, the next offseason, during the season? People have mentioned it, and they've also mentioned some of the guys. You know, we have some young players that people are starting to want. You know, who knows what's available, what happens. Sean Marks got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, so never underestimate him. Never, ever underestimate Tayshon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just think about the Nets where they were just going in before they got Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. Our our only really good young player was Rondé, and there was a lot of question marks about him at that time. And now we have a couple guys that are under 25 that are good players that can contribute just a lot, even compared to last season. No offense to the guys that were on the team last year. We had a couple guys that were either G League players or they're at the level of a G League player. We have a couple guys on the team that probably aren't NBA guys at the moment, but it's not the biggest deal because they're playing hard. Yeah, and, and that's all you can ask for. You can only ask for for hustle, and you know, you know, heart makes up for skill in, in my eyes. But quick shout out to Jeremy Lin. Um, he did a little bit of an interview. Uh, I, I took a look um, on the Chinese social media platform Wellbo, and he's saying that um, his knee seems to be progressing well. He doesn't think he's going to be on the bench anytime soon, just because he fears that um, you know, if a player were to you know. He'd be screwed. He'd be screwed. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, he's bending it and he's walking around now. So positive signs for, for Jeremy Lin fans and net fans alike. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't even – I don't want to see Lin on the bench for a while because that's a serious injury. If he wants to go to the game, he can sit in a press box. <laughs> he's far from getting hurt. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure he was at Barclays, I think, for uh, – I think it was a, a community group um, – episode uh, like event anyway so he's still he's still hanging around he's still keeping in contact and you know it, it's nice to see and you know with joseph Sy, as we mentioned on the last pod coming in or might have been the pod before the fact that you know jeremy lynn might be a big part of the Nets future and you know i don't see it as a, a a horrible negative just despite the fact that he has an injury history a lot of them are real fluke injuries anyway um you know a la sort of blake griffin uh, I like Jeremy Lin. I like what he brings to in terms of, you know, the spectacle, the the excitement that he brings, the, the fans that he brings. And I think in terms of when we've got some other younger guards, he can be a nice mentor to them. And then, you know, in the near future, he's probably not going to be a part of our next deep playoff run. But, you know, like you said, Nick, next year, the year after, we could certainly sneak in and Jeremy Lin could be a valuable piece. 
Yeah, I think Lynn, when he comes back, will be best set as a bench piece. And that's always been where I think Lynn has excelled. You know, obviously Lynn's sanity was a little bit different. I don't really know how to explain that. A lot of people don't. But when he was in Charlotte, you know, but when he was in Charlotte playing with Kemba coming off the bench, he brought some good energy. And I think he's at his best when he's playing super hard. Like, and when you're playing 30 minutes and you have to do a lot and there's a lot of offensive load on you, it's harder for you to be that type of player on both ends of the floor. So I think when he comes back and he comes back healthy, a bench roll would really work for him. But we got to do a quick shout out. It's our 11th episode. So for number 11, Brooke Lopez, what is your favorite Brooke moment? When he was my in, obviously, favorite, the Nets. My favorite Brook moment. Um, I'm going to go with the moment where I, I, I saw him in person, Nick. And oh, I, was I did one, not know this. Uh, so I was, uh, well, saw him in person at the game. So oh, okay, it, was, okay. it was very, 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 very close. So um, my girlfriend and I, her parents, for a Christmas present for us, got us tickets to see the Nets versus the Lakers uh, at Barclays Center. And we were probably about four rows or so from the front. You know, we saw all nice. the, the we saw the A-listers. We saw... They're not cheap um, tickets against the Lakers either. Yeah, not like I saw. I I printed them out at Ticketmaster at the FedEx. I'm like, wow. Um, I'm glad that her parents love me because <laughs> uh, I've I've gotten well here. But yeah, it was the it was the night where Larry Dance, Larry Killed Nance, dunked the like. Oh, I'm surprised Brook Lopez survived. Like he was still alive after that. But seeing him after the game, like you know, probably when the cameras were shut off, he just like ran across the entire court when. Larry Nance was coming out to shake hands and he just grabbed him and hugged him. And <laughs> for me, it just showed the character of Brook Lopez that his love for the game, his love for just his teammates and even opponents, just the respect that he has. And he's not going to take the game too seriously. It's not life or death for him. Um, it just really warmed my heart. And it was just one of those really fun moments that, you know, you, you wouldn't see normally, especially um, in, in the circumstances that I was. So it was really fun. But, you know, Brook Lopez... Um, he's the reason why I become a Nets fan. I've got the star, our, our old statement jersey from last year of his. I've got an, uh, the 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 T of his as well. Um, I continue to wear them, and I'm going to wear them until they're worn out, and I have to chuck them again. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, Brook is he's definitely a lovable Nets player. I told you about I got a Brook jersey this year because I'm jersey cursed. I got it this yeah. summer, month after I get it, he's traded. But my You're favorite Brook moment, <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting anybody relaxed, Jack. I got nope. it. Nope, nope. <laughs> I have to stick the name and number cheese or something lame. But, <laughs> um, I my I have to go with two moments. I think my first, like, I mean, I've loved Brooks since he was drafted. I remember his rookie season, you know, coming off the bench and him dunking and being like, "Wow, we could have really used a center with Jason Kidd was around." But hey, <laughs> things don't always work out right. But my favorite Brook moment in Brooklyn probably is when they're playing the New Orleans Hornets. They were still the Hornets then, and Brook dunked on Robin, and. He destroyed him. And if you haven't seen this clip, Jack, you have to look it up because it's probably the, one of the best Brook Lopez dunks you'll ever see. And he probably just had some extra juice because it was Robin. So he threw it down on his twin. Then my other moment happened last season. I went to the Nets Pistons and Brook hit the buzzer beater, buzzer beater over Aaron Baines. Oh, just yes. great to see a first buzzer beater of his career. And I was there and and it wasn't a pretty shot, but he made it, look, made it go in. I think the thing about uh, Brook as well is that he has this brother. I love the relationship that he has with Robin because my brother, funnily enough, is a Bulls fan. So we love to give each other a bit of shit as well. It's almost like the stars have uh, stars have aligned in that sense. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Rolo as well. He's probably the, the Bulls' best player as well. Just there's something about that Lopez family. There's something about him. There's something in the water out there. And 
you know, I'm sure they'll be catching the Star Wars that comes out very soon. And, you know, I might have to check out the movie theaters uh, out in LA if I ever get down to see if Brolo's around there. Honestly, I think hanging out with Robin and Brooke for a day would be super interesting. Be like, hilarious. Going to watch a movie or going to Disney World with them would be probably one of the more entertaining things you could do with NBA players. I think it was like on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if they asked Robin or Brooke where it's like, have you ever liked... Like, have you ever? It was probably Robin, but based on the yeah, fact that I know what you're gonna say. Hated like a teammate, like you know, Nicola Miritich and Bobby Portis, like right now. I was like, yeah, my brother, and I'm just like, it's such a brother thing to say for anyone who has siblings. It's just such a brotherly thing to say. I love the Lopez bros. Yeah, shout out to Brooke, but that wraps it up for today. Jack, thank you for hopping on. As always, thank everybody for listening, and you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and OTGBasketball.com. Go Nets. Insanity. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.